Hey listeners, it's time for another episode of the Novel Expressions Book Club. I'm Natalie, the youngest sister. I'm Jess, the middle sister. I'm Pam, the oldest sister. And I'm Nancy, their mom. Today we are discussing another Karen White book, a little bit of an older book called Flight Patterns. Um, I think this was our first Karen White that we read. Am I thinking correctly? I honestly don't remember. Remembers? No. We'll have to check the Goodreads app later, but I, I'm pretty sure this was one of, if, in, if not the first, one of the first that we read by Karen White. So I really loved all the fun facts about bees at the start of each chapter. I thought it was a really cool way to tie that in, tie in that theme, and also just to educate people on bees. And also a lot of what she said in there had something to do with what was going on in the chapter as far as the nature of the people who were doing whatever. So mm -hmm. it was a nice correlation to humanity as well. And it, it really was so educational. Most of those facts, I had no idea about bees. And it was just cool to kind of get to know something mm -hmm. through that that I had never learned before. So true. Um, my favorite was chapter 27. I thought that one was really interesting. So it said, bees see colors in the ultraviolet range that humans cannot. Some flowers have colored maps like little runways to show the bees where to land. Humans are blind to see these special markings, but the bees see them. How cool is that? That That's is cool. Super cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought was worth discussing was the generational impact of a secret. If you think about how that secret of who Birdie really belonged to impacted not only her father and the first people who took her, but then the people who ended up with her, and then her children, and even her grandchildren. And had it not been revealed at that point, how many more generations would have been impacted by that one secret? It's just crazy to think about. And I think in this particular book, one of my favorite things about that generational secret was how it was so very slowly revealed in the book. Like there were so many times where I was like, just tell us, Karen, tell us what's going to happen. <laughs> but she just drew it out to the very end. And along the way, I definitely had some guesses about things, but it was fun that we didn't really fully learn until the end of the book. Yeah. I agree. It was fun and like, uh, <sighs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So I just checked and we read this book in 2016 um, because we weren't using the Goodreads app quite yet then. Um, I don't know like in what order we read things in 2016 as far because I entered them all like on the same day. Um, but we, we also read the night the lights went out mm. and that might have actually been our first one. That could have been. So, but one be or the right other now. I would say. So because of that I felt like I for, had forgotten so much of this mm -hmm. that it was truly like a first read. You know, there'd be little niggling things like I'd think, oh, I feel like this is going to happen or, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm thinking of another book, you know? So it was fun in that way because like you said, everything was being unraveled slowly and I really couldn't remember that much about what had happened. Um, 
I thought that the chapters told from Bertie's perspective were really interesting, especially earlier on, because I felt like, so, you know, we're getting Maisie and um, Georgia's perspective and in their perspective, she was being difficult, you know? And so I was kind of leaning toward that thought as well, because that's what they're telling us. And then when we would get her perspective, she truly was unwell you know, she couldn't help it. She couldn't remember everything. Things were locked up inside her brain. She had been hurt. I, I don't know how you want to say it, affected by so much um, that she was actually out of control. Like she couldn't control some of the things that she was doing and thinking. So it was kind of neat to see that because otherwise I thought like, just talk to them. What is your problem? Just say what's going on, you know, but, but she really couldn't. So, and, and honestly, how talented Karen White is that she could get into the mind of someone who was mentally very damaged and project what she might be thinking and feeling and the fogginess of, of knowing that there was something that she should know but couldn't remember. That's just crazy. But how talented she must be to be able to do that. And the singing show tunes was clever. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, yeah. because I, I know of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of some autistic cases where someone is nonverbal, but they might hum or sing something. And I know that's not the same as what she was, but it just kind of reminded me of that. I thought that was a clever thing to have her do. One of the other things that I thought was... Um just it just made me sad as I was reading about it is that is what people had to do to help save their children during the second world war you know here in the states we didn't have to worry about it because Hitler wasn't invading our country physically and so we didn't have to put our kids on trains or give our kids away to people to try to keep them safe and I just can't even imagine it. I know a lot of what I've read about World War II before we started reading a lot of these fictional novels was um, focused on the Jewish kids. But these were not Jewish kids. These were, you know, British kids or French kids or whoever that Hitler's, you know, army was invading their country and their parents were fearful for their lives. And it's just, wow, I just can't imagine. Well, yes, number one, that's crazy awful. And then also like how that family that took Birdie and then when, you know, as Colette and then when they came to America still had to give away some, not just Colette, they also had to give away, I think it said like three of the younger ones, including her. So like two of their children too, because they were just too poor to support all of them. And they, yet they didn't sell the tea set, which is just a little bit mind boggling to me, but I right. guess they felt like it was hers. Um, that was crazy and really hard to read about. And then I really, it really, really, really bothered me that Giles was murdered and how he was murdered. And I suppose if you've had a child for 10 years, it would be really hard to give them up. But like, it was his child and he was in an, you know, an internment camp and like had been through this horrible thing and to then kill him. And all the things he went to, to try to get to her. Exactly, which he detailed for them. So it wasn't like right. they didn't know, like, where have you been? He explained where he had been trying to find her and get back to her. And like, 
he was unwell. So like, why couldn't they just be like, live here with us? Like, we'll take care of you until, you know, like he probably wouldn't live, you know, for too much longer because he wasn't well, but still just, oh, broke my heart. I just really can't fathom how Bertie's quote unquote mother could possibly do that. Like, even though she had Bertie for 10 years and was raising her as her own, like, you know, the guy is the dad. And regardless, why would you murder someone in order to, like, couldn't they work something out? I just, I felt like that was such a rash decision on her part. Yeah. Also and- really selfish because she found out. I mean, and there, she, she had to have known there was always that chance. Yeah. That Birdie I- would learn about her real parents. I think the other thing, too, is that grandfather was painted as such a wonderful guy. And then you find out that he'd been, and I get it. He, he loved Bertie too. And he was trying to protect his wife, but still he was not, I mean, really he wasn't a good guy because he went along with all of that. And covered it up and kept uh, it yeah. hidden for years and years. And really yeah. contributed to Bertie's mental illness, yeah. mental instability all that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really hard to stomach, really hard to stomach. The other thing, I don't know about you guys, but I really had a hard time liking Maisie. Yeah. She just, she, to me, she was this childish, bratty, spoiled, black and white. If it's not this way, it's got to be the other. She just, oh, I just, and the other thing, did you guys, I always felt like there was something that she believed was going on between Lyle and Georgia. And it was like, what did she base that on? I think that they were friends. Yeah. And that Lyle and Georgia were close, but I I don't know. I just, it bugged me that she didn't trust Georgia enough considering how much Georgia went through for her that she didn't trust her enough. And Georgia was promiscuous. It sounds like when she was younger. So maybe that was part of it too, but and Maisie's insecurity. I'm not saying it's right, but yeah. Maisie's Maisie was very super insecure. insecure. Georgia yeah. was beautiful. All the guys wanted her. Mm-hmm. She and Lyle were close. And Georgia says later, as a however old she is, makes the comment that uh, it didn't occur to me that that would be a problem, that mm-hmm. Lyle and I were such good friends. And then the other thing that, that, happened eventually is that Lyle defended Georgia mm-hmm. with the baby situation and that just made it worse. He's yeah, right that, to do it. And that's the thing. I, I kept thinking, you know, it, this wasn't just Maisie's baby that she lost. This was Lyle's baby too. And yet she saw how he could forgive Georgia. And it's like, whose kid was it? Who was ultimately responsible for watching that child? You know, it just, I don't know. I just, I just really had a hard time liking anything about Maisie. Well, the whole Liliana thing, really, um, having a 21-month-old 20 month right now, like, it was just really hitting home. I had a really hard time reading it, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to keep my eyes on her every time we're anywhere <laughs> ever for the ever and ever and ever. It just made me really, yeah. like, appreciate that whole sense of, like, everyone's watching them and nobody's watching them, right? right. I feel like that happens a lot at, like, parties where they're like, all of a sudden, where's, where's the baby? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really tough to read though. And so awful to put all of that on Georgia, whether she had asked Georgia, Georgia to watch the kid or not. Like 
that's a lot of guilt to carry for all that time. Not to mention that she also knew that Georgia was drinking. That's what I was going to say. The person walking around with a bottle in her hand the whole time is maybe not the best person to ask. No, exactly. exactly. And Maisie also had a lot of thoughts about her sister already. And, you know, and her promiscuous lifestyle and, and things like that. So, and I don't know. It's just one of those hard situations because it was a terrible accident. And they mm-hmm. all had the burden of that. Anybody right. there? And I do think that Maisie, Maisie at one point did say that she allowed Georgia to carry that guilt because that's what Georgia always did with them growing up is she just made, you know, she would take on those burdens. And so Maisie being the younger, immature one, let it happen. And I, it's just, it's awful. And that's, and that going back to the very first thing I said, that's one of the negative after effects of a generational secret. Because of this secret that was being hidden from them, their, the dynamics in their household were so skewed in the wrong, you know, so completely out of balance because Georgia was being the mother rather than Bertie being the mother. And so Maisie was less responsible than she should have been. I mean, it was just craziness. And so that's the kind of thing that happens. And then mm-hmm. for Georgia to give up her baby to quote unquote replace the baby that that Maisie lost, I just, oh man, it's hard for me to stomach that. How, how early did you all suspect that the baby was Georgia's? Pretty early. That Becky was Georgia's. Yeah. Pretty early. I did too. Like yeah. almost like one of the first comments she made when she looked at Becky and I was like, Wait a second. And I don't think it's because I had already read it before. I just felt like something is wrong in this situation and I feel like it might be hers. Yeah. Yep. But no, I can't imagine giving my kid up like that just willy nilly. Yeah. No, me neither. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I will say there were some really great quotes throughout the book that were either super relatable or just, I don't want to say like, I'll say profound or just like really kind of made you go like, yes, Karen, good point. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, this one totally took me back and made me want to go to the beach. For a moment, it felt as if I were swimming in the ocean and I just reached a cold spot. Totally. So Mm -hmm. weird how that happens. That is so weird. Or when you reach a warm spot. Yeah. And then, you know, someone just peed. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's, it's relatable and an interesting way to describe something of how yes. she was feeling. Yes. Right. Um, one of the ones I liked, uh, I, Georgia said, and so this is later after they find out the truth about grandpa, you mentioned, you know, the way he was painted, but she says, as grandpa used to say, regrets were like porch swings. They kept you busy, but didn't get you anywhere. He'd been right about so many things. At least we had that. And so the quote itself is really good because that's Mm -hmm. so true. You know, you get all caught up in regrets and it doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nothing. You're not going anywhere with those regrets, just making yourself miserable. But also to see her processing how much they, you know, how much they've been lied to really. Mm -hmm. But that grandpa was right about a lot of things, you know, Mm -hmm. even though he had kept something really important from them, um, he still was a wise man. Yeah. And I don't think that he did it because he was a bad guy. 
I think he was just trying to protect all of the people that he loved and he was just doing it in an inappropriate way. But don't you think that's how most people start out? It's like a slippery slope because you got to, you got to cover up and then you got to cover up and you got to cover up and you got to cover up. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You speaking from experience, mom, you seem to know a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never tell. And next thing you know, you're telling your kids, your name's Nancy. (laughs) Well, as far as I know, it is. <laughs> Maybe grandma's been lying to you your whole life. <laughs> Maybe she murdered your birth parents. Um, Maybe you're really nanny's. What? Maybe you're really nanny's daughter. Yeah, she was 60 when I was born, so I doubt it. Maybe not. <laughs> um, one of the other quotes that, that really struck me was, if you want things to change, you have to stop waiting for someone else to make the first move. And I, I love like, that one. I'm going to apply that to my life today. Yeah, that is a great quote. That is a great quote. It's so true because so often you just want the other person to, because you don't want to broach the subject, so you want them to do it. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you're just putting off the inevitable and it's stupid. Just get it over with. Or you're putting off the fact that you're ever going to get anything resolved because both of you could be stubborn about not making the first move. Right. And so then you just carry the burden around. You sit in your rocking chair and you worry about it and you regret it. Mm-hmm. I really liked a lot of the things that she talked about with siblings, just because obviously we were, well, the three of us were siblings growing up together. Um, but one of the things that she had said, well, no, mom, you're our mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was a sibling. I'm no. Sorry. Well, maybe panties, sort of. <laughs> So she had said about siblings that there is nobody you can love and hate so much all at the same time. Actually, I think that was maybe James who said it. And it's so, that is so true. There are so many moments that you just, you want to murder your sibling, but also they're like your best friend. And so you love them just the same. Tell us about these moments. It's when most, do you hate us? I'm going to be honest. It was mostly with you growing up, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's well, I, I feel like... I don't remember hating you guys. Yeah, yeah, no. I remember hating Jess, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I also feel like... So that was the, the quote that I wrote down. Very similar. Um, it seemed sisters were the same everywhere. A best friend and a best enemy all rolled up into a single person who would always know you better than you knew yourself definitely an enemy and then we would sneak through our closet to hang out when we got in trouble and got sent to our rooms but um so true especially that the latter part of that like who would always know you better than you knew yourself so true yes and they always know when to push those buttons that no one else knows you have except for that sister mm-hmm. there was one other one. Oh, go ahead Pammy. I was just going to say, we might need to do some counseling with you, too. Yeah, they've got some <laughs> serious <laughs> issues, don't I wish they? everyone could see their faces while they're saying <laughs> these things. I was actually telling uh, one of my colleagues the other day how Natalie and I used to have, like, all-out brawls when we were little, like, pulling out hair and all that kind of stuff. And they were really shocked that as girls, we were so physical with each other. Actually, and I was like, really? Lizzie, That's not normal? <laughs> Lizzie, when she came into our family, was very shocked because she had seen her brothers doing that. But have, not having had a sister, she had no idea that that could happen uh, with sisters. 
I just want to say that I'm almost five years younger, so I was just like the weak, innocent one. (laughs) Right. Listeners, if you believe that, then I can't help you. Believe me. Uh, Yeah. She was not weak by any stretch of the imagination. She was she was crazy is what she was. <laughs> yeah. That's still true. I'm still crazy. Right. Let's be fair. <laughs> All right. So the final quote that I really liked and from personal experience within the last seven or eight years of my life, um, this is totally true. So Maisie was talking about how Becky was looking at Aunt Georgia and basically like idolizing her. And she said, what is it about near strangers whose absence only served to make them more mythical? And I feel like that whole Disney mom swooping in and having fun with your kids, but not the one doing the day-to-day work is so stinking true. Yeah. Makes me crazy. Mm -hmm. Totally. And yet at the same time with this situation, what we knew is that she really was. Right. Well, and, and what Becky knew, like she, it sounds like she kind of knew for a while. Yeah. She figured it out. Yeah. She found the paperwork. I didn't write this down. I almost said, and I just maybe forgot, but do you think that was like realistic that she wouldn't have said anything? Not at all. Not for a nine-year-old girl. Nope. I disagree. I I thought the same thing, Natalie. I thought there's no way a nine-year-old girl would keep that a secret. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like Becky was a little wise beyond her years, you know, mature because of the home life. But I I also thought that was unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Um, Quick little side note, since we're talking about her, I I didn't write this down either, but um, I don't know, the the little connection that she and Birdie had was kind of neat. when one of Birdie's chapters, she talks about how Maisie had always bragged that Becky had always slept through the night. And here mm. we find out she actually wasn't. Birdie yeah. was up with her and comforting right. her and getting her back to sleep. I thought that was sweet. Yeah. That, they had that actually made me like Birdie a lot more because I was like, even though she can't be like the normal, quote unquote, normal grandmother to her, she still was really there for her. And it actually reminded me of my relationship with my grandmother my nanny because she was she was very much a uh that warm that nurturer for us for me anyway she was yeah all right so my my secrets oh share no (laughs) okay they're really bad no i mean she just (laughs) covered for me with my parents a lot (laughs) yeah Hmm. Wonder if any other nannies are like that. Hmm. 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 She's acting very innocent right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Better you're talking about watching uh your little one like a hawk, Natalie. Now I you know. gotta watch her around watch mom. Around mom. Oh, Why do you think the she other day when that she was line? here? The other day when she was here, she was here for like an hour and a half. In that time, she gave her a second lar bar and a second fruit and veggie pouch. I would trick her. She tricked her that I was going to the cabinet and going, this is what I want. In my defense, I didn't know that she had had the first one. (laughs) I will say, mom got played for sure. I did get played. 
At least it smart. wasn't. At least it wasn't ice cream for breakfast. Yeah, all it was. I mean, Grand Team of Life. The things she had a second of were fine, but it just was funny. That is funny. That's because it was at your house, not mom's. Right. <laughs> what was available was different. Because I've definitely been sent home with all kinds of junk. It's part of the high the evidence too when it's here. Right. right. True. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. Well, just wait till you start leaving Nanny's house with little baggies of snackies for the ride home. Will you take these 15 packs of buns? Will you use them? <laughs> just just, just them, take right? the brownies. Just take the brownies. The kids will eat them. It'll be fine. There's lots of them. I they have 18 quarts of ice cream. Do you want it? <laughs> here, you can take my cooler. Take my cooler. And let's be real, the time when they start asking for those snacks and Nanny starts giving in is when you should have left 15 minutes ago, and then she starts packing them up Correct. for the take longer. Correct, yes. <laughs> we have to go. <laughs> oh, true. What, you weren't hungry when we first said we were leaving? Right. Okay. All right, well, enough Not about... You totally trash me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some people are listening and relating like, Yes, I feel your pain, girls. Other people are listening and going, what's wrong with that? Exactly. That's what's Those wrong are the with smart that. Ones. So Those are it's the all smart about perspective. It's all about perspective. True. All right. So speaking of perspective, I also didn't really care for Maisie, although there were times that I felt for her because she was deaf. And it was interesting because we've read some books like this where you have these sibling dynamics where one's kind of left behind taking care of everything. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely Maisie, if you think about it. Now, I know she asked Georgia to leave, but she's taking care of mom. She's taking care of grandpa. She, you know, she's just kind of stuck in some ways. Um, so I didn't always love her. True. I didn't always love Georgia either. Mm-hmm. There were times where she frustrated and irritated me too. Sure. Who I, who I did really like all the time are Lyle and James. Yeah. I thought they were fabulous. Uh, I guys. just, Lyle was just like so... Um, I don't know, just patient and laid back and steady and kind. I don't, I just really and liked knew, him. And knew when to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He, and he like, pursued her. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I liked that he was pursuing her. Yes. What he had some swag for sure. He had some confident swag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say he was like the steady voice of reason. It just, it was like anytime she was getting a little bit off the rails, he said the perfect thing to make her kind of come back. James, I love James. Oh, Oh, he he was great. I mean, at first I was kind of like, dude, you're just gonna like go with her. (laughs) Right. Kind of different. Yeah, you knew that, but you knew there was something deep that he was hiding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Mm -mm. Okay. First of all, crazy you're you're, you lose your spouse horribly so right Mm -hmm. and then you maybe have a moment where you're like oh her phone let me look I just want to feel like I'm with her again or whatever you start reading text messages find out that she's having an affair then you realize it's with your best friend like oh my gosh and then and I didn't include this it's been going on since before they got married right Mm -hmm. Then, and I don't know what order everything happened, but then you find out, oh, she was actually pregnant when she died. And then he goes to great lengths to find out it's not his, it's not Brian's, they'll never know. I mean, you think you know somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. 
And, and he was having regrets already about missed moments and opportunities and, and being with her and really spending time with her. And then to find all that, I just, how do you grieve that at that point? Yeah. Right. That's You're a good right. point. You don't even get a chance to have a fight about it. <laughs> right. And to figure out what, you know, you just, and you feel like oh, I'm supposed to be grieving. I've lost my wife, but I'm so furious with her right now. Mm -hmm. And like looking back on your relationship and going, was it happening when this happened? Yeah, was and was anything, in our, was anything she ever said to me real? Mm -hmm. Did she ever really care about me? Yeah. And it kind of makes a me big think no. Fool. Right. Like, and I mean, I just, go ahead, Jess, sorry. I was going to say, if she's with the best friend and then obviously some other guy to where she's pregnant by him, like, what was James to her? With just someone on her arm that she could make things look like? her world is great. Like it just, I don't know. I don't understand people like that. I think when you see that it's more about that actual person than it is about any relationship they have, that there's something deeply wrong and missing in that person that they feel the need to be looking for affirmation from everybody else or something wrong with them. It's their issue. For sure. But unfortunately yeah. the person who's being cheated on always feels like they did something wrong. You know, that they, I don't know, weren't there for them or whatever. I guess I just don't get the charade. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. especially if it was going on before they were married. Yeah. Why go ahead with it then? Unless she liked that. Unless she liked the, uh, maybe, you know, the excitement of, mm. you know, sneaking around and that kind of thing and keeping something from people. I don't know. Maybe she was a. And we also know that James's family had money. James had well, money. That's true. So that's true. that makes things a little easier sometimes for people. Mm -hmm. That's true. true. One of the things that I really liked about the two of them with those girls is the way that both of their relationships ended up by the end of the book. I really love that Lyle and Maisie got back together. And I really love that while James and Georgia were definitely talking, it wasn't like they had moved to the different state with the other person or were fully committed, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. I felt like it was very authentic to each of their characters. I think it's cute that you just said that James and Georgia were talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you tell me we teach high school? Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but I agree with you too. And I think that because of everything James went through, he was a good person for Georgia. Even, you know, he made the comment, he understands fragile minds, mm -hmm. the family dynamics, the, the people you think, you know, and you don't know. And then, so I think that made it easy for him to understand her reluctance to get close to somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It just, they were just a good fit for each other, but also, like you said, that they didn't, Karen White didn't force them to rush into that. Right. Because we're acting like they're real. And they really <laughs> they they, are. She, she created these characters to be that way. And I, and I agree with you. That was authentic rather than, like some people would go, oh, they should have been like married by the end, you know, but that's not realistic in the situation. Also fun that she really hit it off with Caroline. Mm -hmm. and I that really they're in business her. together yeah I liked her a lot too and then you find out her story yeah oh, you know? awful. yeah so 
she was cool and the end and just kind of the big family dynamics i think it was in the epilogue that um they talk about like they're going somewhere together and there's you know caroline's kids are there and, and one of them mm-hmm. becky's good friends with or yeah mm-hmm. becky's yeah. bffs with and yeah so i like that ending um, there are three items I did not write down that I want to say. Number one, I thought George's job was super interesting. Mm-hmm. What a cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, two, I feel like we should have a tea party with warm biscuits and honey. Yes. Tupelo honey, preferably. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because one of Joe's favorite barbecue sauces is Tupelo honey heat from Mission Barbecue. Oh, and I never no knew kidding. that like that was the yeah. thing. Yeah. Huh. Number three, I'm pretty sure, keep me honest, one of, okay, one of, like, the gross guy who was, like, the skeezy guy who was causing problems, whatever his name was, one of his friends, I'm pretty sure, was Rich Colbilt. Yep. Yes, and he the, shows the up. contractor? In the Charge Street. Yes. Yes. In Charge Street. Okay. Yes. I knew he I knew the name. I thought was familiar. Yep. Wow. Yep. Bobby was recall. the sleaze. He was was disgusting. Like, are you really still back in high school? Right right out of high school. The the stuff he was saying to her in front of his niece. Yeah. And I, that was, he was so icky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. But yes, I was like, why do I know that name? Is it from earlier in the book? Good, good catch there. Trad Street for sure. Mm -hmm. Nice. Karen's, Karen's sneaky like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like someone else we know. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they write together. Right. Also, quick little name drop. Did get a package from Karen White this week in the mail from our little <laughs> trivia we won. <laughs> awesome. I'm going like, do you think it's her real address? address? <laughs> You're planning on stalking her, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can go south, right? Yes. <laughs> Heck yeah. Nice I love that. Cool. Any other items for discussion? All right. So speaking of that other unnamed author, we're going to read something by her next. What are we going to read, Jess? All right, listeners, we'll be back in two weeks with Beatrice Williams' newest novel, Our Women in Moscow. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Expressions Book Club. And if you like our show, Leave us a five-star review and tell all your friends and family to listen. Until we read again.